We are live right now on the Painless Wholesaling Podcast, and we have Jordan Lee, the CEO of Beast Real Estate. Guys, We this podcast is the Painless Wholesaling Podcast, where we show you that wholesaling does not have to be painful. It can be painless if you do it the painless way. And I bring on expert guests that show us how to make real, doing real estate painless so it's not it's not hard because you can learn from their experience. So we have Jordan Lee. He's going to tell us a little bit about his story so we can learn how to not struggle like what you're going to struggle with if you just try to figure it out on your own. Learn from his experience. What's up, Jordan? How you doing, Nathan? I'm, I'm excited to be on this with you, man. I've seen you everywhere. You're you're blowing up. It's, it's fun to watch it in progression. Appreciate it, man. Would you would you agree, Jordan? Can real estate be painful? Like if you don't know what you're doing? Yeah, and that's why I I think the first piece of advice that I give to anybody is take a partner on. Like if I was 18 getting into real estate, even 17, like take a partner on for a couple months right before you turn 18 and it's insane the amount of knowledge that you can get from partnering with people like you, me or yeah. people that have been in the industry for 10 plus years. Is that is that how you started, brother, brother with a partner or did you just go by yourself? I did it the wrong way. Yeah, I don't by by myself to be honest. Um there's a you, hindsight's always 2020, right? You look yeah. back and like, why didn't I jump in sooner with somebody and go in full time? I'm not, I don't regret anything because, you know, I got my start in door to door sales and definitely learned a ton there. But the first five years of real estate was a grind, just buying and selling real estate on my own. And mm -hmm. even the first couple of flips didn't have any partners. So, that's impressive, man. You went in all alone. I started with a partner. And and just to kind of let you know the importance of starting with a partner or someone that you can work with, me and you are working together. Like, um, I don't know anything, really anything about multifamily. I mean, a little bit, right? But not that much. And so you're going to help me through that that uh, transition. And uh, we're going to crush it, man. It's exciting. Love it, dude. Yeah, you, you, you teach people how to wholesale. I'll stick the commercial real estate. Obviously, we'll both pick each other's brains. But it's nice sure. to have a partner and be specialized because, you know, somebody might be really good at marketing, but they're not a good closer. Or somebody might be really good at analyzing, but they don't want to talk to people or, you know. So I think it creating the right team of people that have different strengths and abilities is so important, especially when you're networking and doing deals together. So you don't want to be with the same person as you. Yeah, that's actually something I've learned when I started my business with Corey back in the day, like love my, my he, we're not business partners anymore. Shout out to Tom Kroll. He was like, Hey, you don't need a business partner. So he, we were business partners, but we found out that in the beginning, when we started together, we were just, we wanted to support each other. We wanted to like go and give us the emotional support. But after a couple of years, we found out like we're the same, pretty much the same people. We both like to do sales. We both like to talk. So the strengths didn't really complement each other that much just because we, we both were good at pretty much the same thing right so just like what you said you got to find people that compliment you like can compliment you one plus one when a business partnership should not equal one should equal four ten you know a hundred so 100 agree everybody on our team has a different personality and or or if they have the same personality maybe they're working in different part of sales right or different right. part of that uh you know it's, we have single family and multi-family Right now we're doing bigger commercial deals, uh, you know, millions and millions of dollars of commercial deals. So we're putting a lot of focus right there, but, uh, yeah, it's important to have a strong team. So let's, let's kind of, before we dive into what you do and how you raise, you buy real estate with other people's money. Um, 
tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us a 30 minute. Uh, I know before we hopped on this, you kind of gave me your little, uh, your bio, but get, give me like 30 seconds. Tell people really the nitty gritty. What, who is Jordan? And uh, you know, let us know. Uh, who's Jordan. Jordan is, I grew up in a family with six siblings, four of them, brothers, five in a row, right? Boy, 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 boy. Very competitive family. That's wild. We're closer than any family I really know. Like we're always together. And even though we bicker and fight because we're all athletes and we're very competitive, we all love each other. So family comes first in my life. I'm a father to two kids, one on the way. Some people might not know that. So they're hearing this for the first time. Whoa, um, whoa, whoa. Hold yeah. on. Say that again. I got I to gotta, I gotta hear it again. What, say yeah, again. My, my wife's pregnant with another boy. So I have a girl, a boy, and one on the way. Oh, congratulations, man. That is exciting. Are you pumped? It. I'm sure you're pumped. Oh, my gosh. I, I'm so happy. So I'm going to have two boys <laughs> right next to each other and the built-in babysitter, Piper, right? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. But uh, I think that family comes first in everything. And the only reason I like to do real estate is because it, it gives you a platform financially to buy back your time and give opportunities to your children, your wife, your friends, your family that maybe not, might not have been there, right? Like I have some expensive hobbies, right? Like scuba diving. You, I'd like to travel. I like That's to go cheap. scuba diving. And uh, cool. you can't really do that if you don't have money. And then as a kid, I, I really like gymnastics and wasn't able to do it because there's, you know, seven of us and we had to pick and choose our sports. But uh, I want to give those uh, those opportunities to my kids to say, hey, like, it's not a financial burden. So that's the reason I like to make money. I don't I don't covet money. I don't personally like the, you know, the two million dollar cars. Some people like that. And that's that's them. Mm-hmm. I would rather travel. I'd rather do other things. Experience. Um, what's that? Experiences over, you know, uh things, I guess. Right. hundred percent. I, I, I prefer experiences and honestly having a car is, it is a cool experience. I'll be honest, but mm-hmm. it's just not the coolest thing for me. Like I I'd rather go hundreds of feet under the water. <laughs> Dude, I gotta, com- I gotta confess something to you, brother. I, uh, I'm a wimp. I, uh, went uh, like five. No, no, this wasn't five. This was like eight years ago when I was doing door to door sales, we went on a trip, uh, cruise to like Mexico and they, no experience doing scuba diving at all. They're just like a bunch of Mexican guys just threw like some scuba tanks on us. And they were like, go. And everyone started going in underwater. And I was like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I, <laughs> I breathe out of my nose all my whole life just because I don't want like people to smell my breath. So I, I'm always breathing through my nose. So when I go there and this thing's on me, I can't, I'm like, I can't breathe. I can't do it. So I went, I wussed out, dude. I wussed out. I didn't go underwater. I, I couldn't figure it out. I was like, forget this. I don't even feel safe. So, you just uh, need the proper training, man. That, that, they threw you probably into a cenote, right? <laughs> I don't, I don't, what's a cenote? I don't I haven't what, heard One of those it. sinkholes. Was it like a big, it was like, dude, really it was like straight water? ocean, bro. They were like, Hey, let's look at, they were like, go out. And, um, on your yeah. first dive, they just threw you right into open water. They threw everyone into open water, and they were like, "Don't come up too hot, fast, or you'll you'll like explode." And I was like, "Yeah, forget that." <laughs> oh man, that. yeah, that's sketchy to say the least. But they were trying to make a good tip, right? Well, yes, <laughs> I felt like a wuss, dude. I I bailed, and every, like a couple of the other guys just went and figured it out. I was like, "I I ain't exploding today." <laughs> but yeah, I mean. Come with me, you'll learn. But I, I like scuba diving. Mm-hmm. I like competitiveness. I, you know, I grew up wrestling from I can't even remember what age. I, I wanted um, to talk to you about that because did you know I wrestled too? I saw that. I don't know the 
the whole background, but I, I did see that in another podcast. Oh, bro, I love wrestling, man. I actually I uh, do jujitsu now, which gra- is grappling, but it's submissions. And I did that this morning. I do it every uh, you know two times a week in the morning at five thirty. I love it, dude. It's so fun. You should get into jujitsu if you haven't. It's uh, it's just like wrestling. I did but... I did some jujitsu in college and here and there, but it's it's a time commitment. And it uh, is, yeah. I, I got to do right, it early in the morning. Yeah, right now I'm I'm having a tough tough time between family, just lifting weights and you know raising capital and traveling. But you definitely got to pick pick what your hobbies that you know as as you get you know deeper into this stuff. Hundred percent. But uh, I'm curious. Real quick, I, sorry, real yeah. quick about your wrestling experience. Like, can did do you wrestle in college? Did you wrestle like how'd you do in high school? I'm just curious because I I want to know um your experience level. Yeah. So I was one of those kids that just trained every single day. I, I think in, as a freshman in high school, I wasn't the kid that started when I was, you know, three years old. I started in seventh grade, like competitively. Got I think it. I did a little bit with my brothers in sixth grade, but uh, a lot of improvement. By the time I was a senior, I didn't lose a, a state match. I got disqualified from one from slamming a kid too hard. Oh, in state? But, uh, you, got, you got disqualified in state? I was up 8-1 and slammed a kid. And not purposely, you know, of course, you of course. Chain, ball and chain, and you have to hit your knee before his shoulder hits and accidentally dislocated the kid's shoulder. And you ripped his arm off, huh? Not on purpose. Of but... course. I'm just messing with you. I the ball and <laughs> chain was like my go to, bro. I love the ball and chain. Yeah. So, so you were, um, you were trying to like at, stack them. You were like trying to stack them. And, and yeah, I got you. So no, I did I did really well my senior year. I got better every year. My senior year, I had the the state takedown record. Um, I was really into competitive weightlifting, so I held what was called the exponent record for weightlifting, which is weightlifting times your body weight. So I was lifting over a thousand pounds between squat, power clean, and bench, and I was weighing you know I weighed in for that competition at one hundred and thirty three pounds. You were a tank, uh, bro. I wrestled, wrestled one thirty five. So. I wrestled cool. 135, dude. Yeah, so we're around the same weight in high school. You know, I'm I'm five seven, and it was a it was a great weight class for me, and loved That's wrestling. You, I, did you have to cut hard? No, no. I, yeah, I, I always did, I did way more cardio in high school. Right now, I'm, you know, it's hard to find time to do cardio because I have a bum knee. Um, mm-hmm. I'm working out with a p- physical therapist on rehabbing my knee right now. So yeah. It's just tough, but Clayton State, I'm assuming, right? If you were like picking up a thousand pounds and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I did. So I was, I I placed third in the state because I got disqualified against the number one guy, and then I placed seventh in the seventh in the national tournament. Oh my gosh! So you're an all American? I I don't even know. Probably I I wasn't. I didn't wrestle in college, right? Oh, that's what I meant. So college college is you placed top eight. You're all American, but you're saying seventh national. So you wrestled national in high school. Yeah. Got and okay. uh, so there's. That's dope, right? You know, I did pretty good in high school. I, but, I got uh, third in state, dude. We're like pretty like neck and neck. 135. You know, I got third. You got third. That's wild. Yeah. So we should go at it, it dude. You probably, you probably crush me right now because. Uh, it's something that you, you you know, the the wrestling thing, that, that was a big thing because I was up 8-1 against the number the other number one guy and did something I shouldn't have. And you go and cry in a corner, but then went undefeated throughout the rest of the state that was my very first match i was mm. it was you know dang it, oh. I, the whole story is actually really cool i won't go into details but anybody who knows me knows 
wrestling was a serious sport. I didn't do it in college because they didn't have it at BYU. And yeah. I was a music major at BYU in the beginning. When I got back from my mission, I went straight into business because the kind of music major that they had there, it wasn't my style. It was more classical and this and that. And, well, well, what know, was but, the instrument you were playing? Was it the sousaphone? <laughs> no, I'm I'm a vocalist. I love to sing. If you if you go on my Facebook, you can see a couple of performances. Oh, but... Okay, you were singing. I thought you were playing like some drums or the sousaphone or something. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I love I love performing more than singing. I just love making people smile. That's Ever great, since man. I was a little kid, you know, five years old, I'd go sing in front of Walmart, get on the big stage, and just vote. You know, trying to. I remember when I was seven years old, I sang in front of forty thousand people in Reno. What? And uh, for the national anthem for the big Sparks convention and the microphone cut out, I was like, I don't care. So I just started singing at the top of my Jeez. lungs. Everybody joined in. There's 40,000 people to sing the national anthem with me. And then the very last line, it kicked back on. I was like, oh, it came back on. It was, you know, all over the newspapers. Got to travel to New York. Got to travel wow. to California and do a ton of, uh, I love singing. You know what I'm envisioning? Because you said you would get in front of Walmart and sing. You know who I'm thinking of? The yodel, the yodeler kid, the kid that was yodeling. Uh, that was you. That that was me, man. <laughs> I, I had no shame. Um, oh gosh, that's funny. I, man. I, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, I I love performing, and I want to do big things. Right now, my my goal is to help other people make passive income because I think that helps you follow your dreams. Ever since I've got into real estate it's nice to wake up on the first of the month and, you know, have a lot of money in your checking account from that check, the rents huh? that are coming in. Right. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and it, it gives you times to do things. I, I'm not saying I feel bad for W2 income, you know, they're, they've chose that and they're, they're yeah. working from nine to five, but it's nice. Like yesterday I had a guy call me and, and I was able to just go somewhere randomly at three o'clock to meet up with a friend. And then that freedom is definitely what I'm trying to get myself mm -hmm. and then also provide for other people so that's Dang why man. i raise money that's a good mission that's a good mission yeah. so you're you're really raising money to buy uh real estate so you can help people achieve freedom yeah right? so it's a, that's exactly it. you got these high income earners we're working with a couple you know we're working with a youtuber that has over 11 million followers on his youtube channel who is it? um <laughs> you can't say it <laughs> i don't know i don't want to say his name but I'll, I'll ask him if I can say it on the next one. Yeah, podcast. man, drop him. Dude. That's pretty cool, though. He's he's crushing it. He, he needs to put his money somewhere, right? Exactly. I got, it's just he's young. Right? He's 24 years old, and he he needs to put his money into real estate. So we're helping him with that. We got some CEOs of hospitals that they know how to run a hospital. They might make a million dollars a year or more. I don't know how, many, how much a CEO of a hospital makes, but they don't know how to make that money work for them. They don't have the time, right? Yeah, it takes that's my job time. to go yeah. out and find the deal, negotiate it, underwrite it. That's my forte. I've been doing it for over a decade now, just underwriting deals and making sure we get good returns for investors. Mm -hmm. But they can put their money, in, you know, let's say they have 500 grand sitting in their checking account that's making nothing. They can hand that money over to me. I can go deploy it for them. And then it makes them, you know, $50,000 a year plus in dividends. And then when we sell the property, they get an extra check. I got a quick question for you. So someone that has, are you really finding that someone that has $500,000 and has, can make that kind of income would just put it in a checking account or are they pretty savvy, like somewhat savvy enough to invest it? No, there's tons that? of people with over 500. It's a small amount. You'd be right. surprised. Um, 
there, some of these high income earners, they started a business two, two years ago and they have all this money coming in mm -hmm. and they don't even know how to reinvest it into their own business because they're growing so fast. They're making commissions it. either. I mean, you got these, especially like I've uh, been working with the solar industry a little bit and mm -hmm. I did solar and I know how lucrative it is. Some of these CEOs, they're getting, you know, $25,000, $30,000 commission checks just off their personal deals. And then they have a sales force that's growing nationwide. They have way more than 500 grand. And then of also course, when yeah. you sell a company, they might sell equity in the company. One of, one of our buddies is selling 25% equity of his company, which is worth 250 mil. Well, what do you do with 250 million? Well, you tell me, what do you do with 250 million? That's, that's a lot of dough. You have to put it into real estate because the thing is, Real estate is one of the asset classes that is best for tax benefits, right? Mm -hmm. You can defer taxes forever in real estate. You can keep rolling it into other properties through what's called a 1031. So forever? just keep going until you forever. die. And then you're, you your never have to pay taxes something? on it. Nope. Never, never, ever, ever. Can the you kids keep pay... deferring? Can like, if you inherit a, a property that needs to get, like once someone dies, does it go away or do they, would the kids have to pay it? So no, that, there's a certain amount. Right. There's a threshold. I want to say it's like 13 and a half million per spouse. It's called step up basis. You can Google it. Um, mm -hmm. But let's let's just say let's just say I have a five hundred thousand dollar duplex. Right. I buy it for five hundred. And then two years later, I sell it for seven hundred net. Right. Maybe I sell it for seven fifty and you have all commissions, but I make two grand profit off of it. Right. If I sell that duplex and take a two hundred thousand dollar profit check, I have to pay capital gains on that. What is that? So 20% of 200 grand. 20%? I mean, it depends on your tax bracket, but okay. let's just say 20%, right? It's so 20% of 200 grand, it's $40,000 in taxes. Do you want to write a $40,000 check for taxes? Never. No. So what you can do is you can take that money and put it into a 1031 exchange. It's an, you know, you have an intermediary that holds the money for you until you locate another property. Uh, I, have a, I have a guy actually I'm working with right now. He bought a townhome way back when it's paid off. He just sold it. He netted 495,000 off a townhome. Okay. It's crazy to think what townhomes worth nowadays, but he has $495,000 sitting in a, in an inter intermediary fund with 1031. And he has to deploy that within a certain amount of time or else he has to pay taxes on that game. What's so the what time doing, by the way? Just curious. I mean, I'm not an accountant. I think it's like, it's 45 to uh, locate another property and 90 to close or something like that. I honestly, I've never hit the timelines. We always have deals lined up. So it's not a, it's not a problem. Okay. If you Google it, it'll come up at like 45 and then 90, but uh, you locate the property and then he uses that 495 as a down payment, let's say on a $1.8 million property, right? Now he owns a $1.8 million property and cause he rolled it into a bigger property. He doesn't have to pay any taxes on it. It's called deferred taxes, right? So that deferred tax, let's say he owns that for, you know, eight years and then sells the $1.8 million property and a half mil. So now he's made 700 grand. He also made the 200 grand. That's, that's $900,000 he's made. Now he has paid taxes on 900,000. But if he rolls that into another property, let's say he buys a $4 million property. Now he can own that $4 million property. And if it's bringing him in, you know, however much a year, 150 a year, who wants to sell that, right? They can just live off the dividends, off the cash flow. Let me ask you now, a quick question. And when he dies, 
Sorry, yeah. let, me, let me ask you a quick question for the viewers that might have the same question. Um, when you're buying these, uh, when he's investing this money with you, is he able to avoid the 1031, the, the taxes? Is that a 1031 exchange, even though he's not uh, like managing it, doing anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. It's called a tenants in common. Yeah, cool. but it's short answer is yes. So we can take investor funds from 1031 and you they can roll that into a fund with us. So because you just I'm not going to go into detail on that, but the answer is yes. Yeah, you're good. And you just made me think of someone. Uh, so I just did that. I know one of my family members just sold an eightplex, right? And they, I think they have a certain amount of equity that they need, need a place. I'm going to reach out to them after this. I just thought of them. Yeah. So with you, you can have them roll it into another property. And then what happens is when they die, like my, my estate goes to a trust and whoever is the inheritor of the trust, let's say it's my child or say my, me and my wife die in a car accident at the same time and Piper's the inheritor, she actually gets what's called step-up basis. So a certain amount of money is non-taxable that she inherits. So we actually completely defer all taxes into the next life, and then they don't have to pay the taxes. They get an appraisal, they have a new value, and that's that's what the wealthy do. And, so, and it's completely legal, it's ethical, it's how the tax code is written, and if you know how to invest right in real estate, you should have little tax liability. So, so I always thought when you were like 70, 80 years old, if you've been 1031 exchanging your whole life, and then finally, I feel like you, I thought you had to like get at least sell it and then pay the taxes eventually. But you're saying it can you can do it forever until Correct. you die. Yes. So you don't have to pay the taxes ever. <laughs> no. I am curious, but somebody will eventually, right? Like if the kids inherit the property, they're going to have to know, is it done once you die? So once you die, let's say, let's say I had, you know, $10 million of, let's say I bought a property for 500. And then over the course of my lifetime, my assets are worth 10 million, okay. right? That's under the step up basis, right? So when my child inherits the $10 million of real estate, that's her new line for taxes. So, but she doesn't, she inherits it tax free step-up basis. The new, new new appraisal, there's no tax liability on that. But as she yeah. makes money, she'll have to pay taxes on it. So if she makes $2 million, she'll pay, you know, if it's worth $12 million, she'll have to pay on the $2 million unless she 1031s it. Now there is caps, right? Like, you know, I think it's, like I said, I think it's 13 and a half million per spouse, might be 12. I, I don't know the exact amount. So, you know, my, my children definitely have to pay taxes, right? Because our, our state's going to be well worth a lot more than that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, um, you know, having a $24 million inheritance, the first 24 million, you don't have to pay taxes on. It's pretty amazing. Let me ask you this. This is a little outside, but what's your opinion on letting in letting your kids inherit all that money eventually? Do you feel like that's good for them? What, what's your opinion on giving your kids a ton of money eventually? I mean, I think it depends on the parents. That's a loaded question because you think about some of these parents, there are some parents that do spoil their children. And, you mm -hmm. know, you see those, those funny TV shows where the, like Harry Potter, right. The kid who gets however many presents and he's like, I wanted more. Right. No, Dudley. He's the worst. Yeah, Dudley, Right. But if you treat, if you teach your kids, right. I know a lot of millionaires, especially in door to door sales where yeah. they've had to grind. Right. Like I know um, <laughs> one of, one guy that I really respect, Todd Santiago, right? He's, he was the vice president of sales at Vivint. Stud, amazing guy, very wealthy. His, ch his children, he has a, a couple children, right? 
he makes them knock doors. Like he, he had them knock doors and start where when they turned 18, I was like, oh, these kids are going to be like executives at Pivot. No, like his oldest son went out and knocked doors on a summer sales team and then had to build his own sales organizations. And, and if you know the kid, he's had to work for everything, but his dad has instilled that work ethic to where he's going to be wealthy. No matter what, if his dad doesn't leave him a penny, he'll still be wealthy. Right. I think that's the right way to do it. it, Yeah. Yeah. So it just depends on the parenting. Um, I'm definitely not going to have my kids uh, be spoiled in any way, shape or form. If they want money to, for me to fund them and let's say, you know, a gymnastics tournament where they have to go to Hawaii and spend 10 grand on this huge competition, I'll fund it, but they better work their butt off to win that tournament because I'm their sponsor. Yeah. It's an investment. I'm their sponsor. Right. Or if they're looking to start a business, I'm not just going to hand them a $10 million investment check. I'm going to say, Hey, you need to learn the the ropes. Come shadow me. That's why I think it's so important to have a, a partner because a partner is going to be invested into you because when you make money, they make money. Right. I actually believe in partners more than I do mentors. Dang. I think a lot of men- know, mentors mentor, are partner too. A lot of mentors exactly. do that. Yeah. I think there's a lot of mentorships where people will pay $25,000 for a mentorship, right? Mm-hmm. To be on this call, to mm-hmm. be in this room with people. Rather than having somebody pay me 25 grand, I would be more willing to vet them very carefully. And say, are you going to work? Go do these homework assignments for me, right? Go do this. And if they show that they're going to do it, I would rather give them, you know, 5% equity in a business that's going to be worth $100 million and say, go hustle with me. Yeah, yeah. Right. And they're going to make more in the long run and they're going to learn side by side with me. So going back in time, like I always tell people this, whatever you want to do, go serve that person. Yeah, yeah. Go work for that. No, work. You don't have to work for free. You, you, you tell them and you pay me what you think I'm worth and you go learn from them and you create them value. They're going to be addicted to you. They're not going to want to ever lose you. And then that's when you can, you know, go off on your own once you know it all. But if they really like you and they're creating value, you're going to stay with them. Well, Jordan, I feel like we've had hit on some awesome topics and I feel like we got to probably do another podcast, bro. This was good. I mean, I feel like we got a lot to talk about. What do you think? hundred percent. Yeah. Anytime. This is fun. I love giving back and like I said, I, I just want to be of service to people, whether it's other people getting into real estate and they're hitting me up on Instagram saying, Hey, you know, how do I raise millions of dollars? How do I close multifamily? There's, I could talk to him for hours about it. The people that I'm going to put the most time into are the people who are going to bring value and say, Hey, like, let's go do a deal together. That's, but I also true. like talking to people that are not in real estate that just say, I, I don't want to have anything to do with real estate. I love real estate, just take but I don't money. want to be in the grind. <laughs> but make me money. Yeah. And then I got to be like the guy in the Bible, the parable of the talents, right? Where the master gives the people the talents and two of them go and multiply those talents and are given more talents. Talents were coins, right? And one of them hides it under the floorboard and he comes back and he says, you slothful servant. And he takes the talent from that one other guy. And that guy's left with nothing. That's my responsibility in life. I feel like I've been given, I've been given a lot of, opportunities to attain knowledge Mm -hmm. i'm not saying i've been given knowledge because i do want to credit myself and i've taken the time to learn from other people you gotta have the desire to learn but once you have that knowledge you have to go spread it and help other people otherwise the lord's going to take it from you Mm. you know whether it's in this life or the next i i believe in jesus christ and i believe that he's given us everything 
I know. I don't want to like to get religious on no, these. No, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm all about yeah. Jesus, man. But whether you believe God, in a higher Jesus. power or whether you believe in Allah or Buddha or whatever it is. Look, I got my Jesus statue right there. Do you see it? I is don't. That, Where is it? He's that white. Oh, white. yeah, exactly. Yeah, man, I don't play. So that's, that's the, everything I do is for Jesus. I mean, I, everything I, I, I believe that everything we've given, given everything in this life, our body, our skin, you know, the money that we have, literally everything. Mosiah, you'll know what I'm talking about, right? Mm. Everything we're in debt to the Savior 100% of the time. Breaking up, breaking up on me. That's the devil right there trying to take you down. <laughs> oh man, you there? Yeah, man, you broke up. That was the devil right. trying to break you down. Break, break up this. The I know, right? <laughs> but I, I feel, I feel an obligation to give back. Yeah. So whether I make you know 20 million dollars in this life or two billion dollars in this life, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, money doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It just matters the effect I'm having on other people. And honestly, first and foremost is my family. And then after that, I still want to help others because I have the capability to. Well, Jordan, it's been a pleasure having you on here. We're definitely going to have to have you back. And uh, we're, we're actually going to be doing an event together. Um, what is it? In uh, in a, two, a week or two where me and you are going to be uh, it's, talking at it's a lunch? In, it's in nine days next Saturday. Yeah, January 13th or 14th, we're going to do it. Uh, I believe we're doing it in Orem, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, Kylan, Gornacek's office, Security Home Mortgage. Anybody who wants to come, we're going to have a good lineup. You'll be speaking, obviously. I'll be speaking. We're going to have a, my accountant is coming. She can talk more about the 1031s. She can talk about setting up S-Corps, different ways that W-2 people can save money as well. It's it's very powerful to get in those networks. That is um, I'm, and I'm excited to do that event. We should have a really good turnout. Sounds good, man. We'll all promote it. We got to wrap up, but uh, you know, we'll have to hop on another one. It's been a pleasure having you on here. If you're in Utah, please make it to that event. Reach out to me. Reach out to Jordan. If you want to connect with Jordan, um, let me know. I'll, I'll put you in touch with him. And uh, or you know, Beast Real Estate. All right. Yeah, Beast Real Estate on Facebook or Instagram. So, all right, brother. Well, we'll we'll keep doing this. We'll keep growing this. That's what we're doing this year. Let's blow it up later, bro. Alrighty, Nathan. Talk to you later, man. Bye.